All right, let's talk about these fights then, I guess. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Forbidden Technique Podcast. Sorry, we're coming in a little bit late this week. We've got some stuff going on. But yeah, we're here today uh, looking back at the action from uh, last Saturday's UFC Fight Night card, headlined by a welterweight top contenders bout between Vicente Luque and Bilal Mohamed. And then after that, we're going to be uh, previewing this weekend's main card, headlined by Jessica Andrade and Amanda Lamosh. A whole bunch of fights to get into, and a lot of them are weren't that good so <laughs> let's get right into it main event Vicente Luque versus Bilal Mohamed and we laid out a lot of things that Bilal Mohamed could do and thought that you know we said that he was going to come in well prepared and have a good performance but we just thought that the style dynamic and uh, kind of the physical matchup was just always going to trend towards Luque and that Bilal Mohamed was just, like just inevitably going to get finished at some point and um, it seems like with Bilal Mohamed coming away with a pretty clean decision win in this fight, would I mean, that was always going to take uh, some combination of an incredibly disciplined and courageous performance from Bilal Mohamed and a somewhat shitting of the bed from Vicente Luke. Is that what this fight looked like to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like the fight made Luke look like more of a... It made him look like more of an IQ test than he should be with how Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, like he he really looked like a Jeremy Stevens versus a beat in this fight, you know. Like Bilal Muhammad just kind of walked sideways, fainted a little bit, jabbed, like he just did some straight hitting, and then anytime Luke got deep into an exchange, he'd keep his head exactly in the same place, and eventually his shot selection started opening up better as the fight went on. But by the time that he actually started getting reads on how to land on Bilal's defense or land through Bilal's defense, he was just too worried about the takedown threat because he had dropped rounds. And, like, he wasn't getting fucked up on the ground or anything. He just wasn't winning from there. And, you know, if you're just sitting on bottom, you're gonna drop rounds from it. So, it, it was just, like, a lot of weird decision-making from Luque, and it wasn't really a courageous performance by him, which is not something that you often get to say, because, you know, if Luque is one thing traditionally, it's pretty fucking aggressive. Even in the... The Wonderboy fight, he was going at Wonderboy, getting his ass beat the entire time, but Wonderboy wasn't really producing a takedown threats. So it, it's kind of something that we've talked about before, where, like, among brawlers at a top level in MMA, sometimes you can shut them out just by, like, not brawling with them at all. Like, they, they won't quit or, or give up or capitulate in any way if you're actually fighting them and, like, kind of going toe-to-toe with them. But if you're just making them feel like an idiot, they'll just drop a decision or or like give up in some regard and Luke's version of giving up seems to be just not throwing as much as he could in order to try and force a finish whenever he's kind of down on rounds yeah that did um that did occur to me that he's something of a of a Dustin Poirier or a Robbie Lawler like a guy who you can never break him in a war but if you can just kind of shut him out of the fight he'll just sort of calmly lose which is really surprising because like you say, he's 
traditionally such an aggressive fighter and such a consistent finisher. Like, he's only won one decision in his entire career. Some people think he lost that fight. Yeah, and he shattered Mike Perry's nose. So it, it wasn't even like he he didn't go hard enough. He just he tried as hard as he could until the fight ended. But that fight was a brawl. Exactly. And yeah, it was weird because it just it like you say, kind of seemed like he came in wanting to pace himself for five rounds, not going hard early, knowing that he had time to get the job done. <clears throat> and that he already had a knockout win over Blau Mohammed. Um, but then he maybe just like conceded a volume lead and let Bilal Muhammad establish a takedown threat and kind of have initiative, even though he spent the entire time like scooting along with his back to the cage. And then, yeah, the weird thing was that there were, just didn't seem to be any urgency late in the fight when it was pretty clear that Luke needed a finish to just to just throw down and have exchanges with the guy who he could definitely afford to have punching exchanges with. Um, and you you still got to uh, credit the just Blaubahab being such a resourceful and tough fighter because you know there was a point where Luke clipped him with a a left hook in the third round. I was like, oh, it's over. He's just going to knock him out now, and he just didn't. And. It, you know, it it is a shame that such a good win for Blah Muhammad just like kind of has to be shattered with something of a, you know, feeling that Vicente just uh, didn't show up the way that he could have. And, you know, maybe this is him establishing himself as a more Jeremy Stevens-esque IQ test, uh, like gatekeeper in the division, but, you know, still a, probably an even more dangerous and high level one than Jeremy Stevens was for so long. Yeah, and, and like... As you said, we, we can't really like over, let Luque's bad performance overshadow Muhammad's good performance. Like it was very standard. Like all he really did was you know three or four tactics that built into a very consistent winning strategy against this version of Luque. And I'm sure he would have had much more success, in, like a ton of success in the fight still, uh, even if we had gotten a good or a better version of Luque. But yeah, I, I mean, I think that going forward, Muhammad is around the top of where he's going to be able to get to. And I think that Luke still could bounce back from this. Like he, he has the way more attributes than Muhammad, which is just a bit of an unfortunate issue for Muhammad is that he just doesn't have the attributes to just fucking kill someone at the top level. And he's not really a submission threat. And as a uh, technician... His game focuses more around shutting people down rather than manufacturing finishes or getting dominant rounds. So, you know, what's the best he could do in a fight against Kamaru Usman? Probably drop around 10-9 instead of 10-8. I think that's, like, his ceiling. So, Which is unfortunate because he's, just like, probably got the best case for actually having a fight with Kamaru Usman in the division at this point. Yep. Just like the only person actually taking fights and getting relevant wins. You know, uh, you know, other than uh, Hamza Chimaev obviously coming over off of a good win over Gilbert Burns, but it's still at that point where I still want to see him fight other guys in the division. But, you know, Blah Mohammed, fuck it, give him a title shot. He's earned it. Yeah. He'll, like, and definitely then... lose, but come in with, you know, good ideas and do better than everyone's expecting him to, like he always does. Yeah, and I'm I'm like 100% certain that Bilal isn't going to get a title shot between Kamaev and Leon being around just 
like you know after Usman fights Leon, probably gonna have to fight Kamaev. After that, might retire or Muhammad will probably have lost by then. So it's it's just a rough one for Muhammad, like timing wise for getting this win because it is a hard win for him still. Like we didn't get a great version of Luke, but Luke is still like this version of Luke would have knocked out a bunch of people, you know. Definitely. Like he he always would. It it took Bilal being like the best version of himself we've seen to win pretty dominantly in this fight. Like it was a it was a good like forty nine forty six I'd say. Is that how you scored it? Yeah, I'd agree. I ju- I just gave Luke the third round. Yeah, so it, it's it's just a it, it's kind of like a bittersweet win for him, I think. But you know. He he got more credit than he had been given before. Like a lot of people were completely counting him out of this fight, which we made sure not to, because you know he's he's definitely a competent fighter and he's very durable. Like he's not going to give up if he gets hurt as well, which we saw in the third round. Yeah, if not a title shot, he should be getting a fight with a Gilbert Burns or Colby Covington or something like that. And does uh, Luke just give him action fights? How far is uh, Shavkat Rachmanov away from a fight with Vicente Luke? Probably like a fight. I mean, if he beats Neil Magny, make it now. That's like the most violent shit you can make at welterweight right now. Uh, and then the co-main event, it was kind of absolutely baffling that this fight was a co-main event. But I guess what would you have put in the co-main on this card? You know, it was two undefeated prospects that had some hype around them. But yeah, uh, Kyle Baraglio versus uh, Gadzi Omar Gadziev. And uh, let this fight... Remain a lesson to friends of the show who shall remain nameless. <laughs> just like because a guy is Russian adjacent and is a wrestler, just like doesn't doesn't mean he's good. And like I see this guy on his contender series fight, like giving up top position to go for a knee bar. That's not going to work. Uh, 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 like an, anything in approaching an elite level, even at middleweight. Like, were you going to knee bar Brad Tavares? No. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, like every time he uh, engaged in any kind of uh, grappling exchange, he just like immediately gave up top position and was like losing from bottom and uh, was forced to strike and just showed some of the uh, silliest striking you've ever seen. Like, uh, dude was just like actually face planting himself and like throwing himself off balance, just like throwing basic techniques. And uh, Kyle Braglio is, like, uh, competent and athletic and has, like, a reasonably functional style. So, like, won uh, easily and then illegally, illegally need the guy and it went to technical decision and he still won with a point deduction. One of two technical decisions on the card, by the way. How you know this card was whack. Uh, yeah, I thought Kyle, he looks like he's going to be something. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's going to be an important fighter at the weight class, but he's certainly going to be around for a while. He he's a good counterpuncher. He has decent technique. I think he's a bit too much of a Conor McGregor fan, honestly. Just like an impression I got based on looking at his mechanics and, and the way that he sets up his shots. I was getting Machida vibes. He definitely likes Machida too, uh, but it, just like the way that he kind of postures himself whenever he's landed a counter or he's looking for a counter shot, it's just making me feel Conor. I I, I wasn't liking that aspect. I I always. Like we've been seeing that a lot. Like Connor's the main fighter that you see people kind of emulate at this point. For a while, it was Dominic Cruz. Yeah, we got Ian Gary. Of people. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's just annoying that we're going to be seeing people that are 
obviously so influenced by Connor for I mean, if it's for the better, then that's okay. Okay, but it seems like to the detriment of a lot of fighters because the things that are obvious about Connor that are good aren't as important as the things that are kind of subtle that made him good. So yeah, I think Baralio is uh, a decent fighter, and I'm excited to see where he goes from here. He's he's pretty young, especially for middleweight, because the average age for a fighter at the top of middleweight was like 36 for a long time. Uh, Andre Fialio knocked out Miguel Baeza. That was neat. I think Andre Fialio's pretty good. Henry Hooft guy, just pretty competent, pressure fighter. He's a decent athlete. He's a okay addition to welterweight yep and uh in baeza he throws straight punches to the body and it made people think that he's fucking aldo like he's definitely not a bad fighter at all he's he's definitely definitely a good fighter but people were so much higher on him than there was any reasonable evidence to be yeah baeza has some cool looks he just uh, has too much defensive liabilities kind of to be fighting even at this level at this point in his career. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva versus Yao and Wu. This was a kind of a preview of the main event. Yeah, it was more exciting though, I think. <laughs> like Myra <laughs> Bueno Silva is a, is a pretty fucking good fighter, I think. Uh, Yanan Wu did well too. I like Myra Bueno Silva. I, I, I kind of want her to go like uh, train with Cheeto Vera we're going to be talking about soon and just like just like do more violence you know she's trying she's trying to be too technical but she's too slow but but she's also like big and powerful and she needs to just like walk at people and just elbow them 20 times yeah and like silva has really good instincts for body kicks but she doesn't go to them as much as you'd hope for her to go for it mm-hmm. and same goes for like really all of her attrition tools like leg kicks she leg kicked uh, the fuck out of Yanan, but could have definitely low kicked more. There wasn't really anything keeping her from low kicking more or kicking the body more. It's more just like a, a sense of wanting to pace herself, I would assume. But honestly, just get tired and, and do the attrition because like you, you have to do that to be able to get the wins. And this fight was easier for her because it was like a almost a mismatch. It wasn't like a complete mismatch. She was just a very large favorite for good reason. So she she was able to fight this type of fight, but as she moves up in the division, she's going to have to fight people that are just bigger physical forces or are as experienced or more experienced. And Yan and Wu kind of had the right idea about just kind of trying to uh, jab Silva up off the back foot. You just, uh, you got to do more if you're going to win fights moving backwards in MMA. And that's just like an unfortunate reality of how fights are scored compared to how we'd like fights to be scored. Especially if you're losing the kicking battle the entire time and like you're not getting any big moments with your hands. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the good win for Bueno Silva. Like I'm excited to see her advance weight now. It's pretty cool. Like you say, it is a concern of her having to deal with more significant physical forces, whereas that was kind of her thing as a flyweight, as she was just fucking huge. She's also just less slow at bantamweight, and the division's kind of worse. There's not that much going on. Really, the sky's sky's the limit for silver at bantamweight. Uh, Pat Sabatini versus TJ Laramie. Uh, You're not supposed to grapple with Pat Sabatini, but like TJ Laramie can't fight without grappling, so he had to, and he lost. Yeah, and I thought that 
the fight was like pretty enjoyable to watch. Like I didn't mind watching it, but there it was a little frustrating from from Laramie. But you know, Sabatini looked good. Uh, they had some cool exchanges on the ground, on the feet. It was like just pretty standard MMA striking. Like there wasn't anything super flashy or or dynamic. It was just you know, guy does some kicks, guy does some punches, real basic. <laughs> oh, opening the main card, uh, Munilazes. Made his return against a guy who we saw uh, lose on the contender series, but uh, it was a fight where we were thinking it was actually kind of a shame that he probably wasn't going to get a shot at the UFC because it it was a fight uh, against a guy who we've got kind of pegged as one of the best prospects at welterweight right now in Jack Della Maddalena. And it was a close competitive fight. And had he just been... Uh, some random contender series can he probably would have just got knocked out so um another guy who i'm happy to see as a addition to the ufc's welterweight division uh, another just reasonably well-schooled athletic uh, henry hooft guy and uh, a thought occurred to me watching this fight i'm <clears throat> wondering what you think about this christian um are we are we starting to witness something of a re-goodification of welterweight? Yeah, I think welterweight's definitely getting better. Like it, it looks so much more hopeful than it did for a long time. But yeah, we, also, we still need a little bit of a time, a little bit of time for the for a couple of the guys at the top who are hanging on to undeserved rankings to age out. But it seems like we're yeah. we're getting there with welterweight. Yeah, like if like six years from now, Jack Della Maddalena you know, like, uh, Kamaev, even if Burns could hang around that long and be, like, the, the old guy of the division, that'd be cool. Like, I could see the top of welterweight, or the top ten of welterweight being, like, pretty cool in the, the not-too-distant future. Yeah, you got Rachmanov coming up. I think, you know, I think is gonna be around the top and be a great action fighter for a long time. Yeah, and... The, although I do want to say take that with a grain of salt because I could also see a lot of the the things not panning out like just with how MMA is pretty weird like what if one of these guys gets injured and then all of a sudden we lose like one of the more interesting prospects like Sean Brady Sean Brady has definite flaws that we could see get exploited in the near future so what if he's just completely knocked out of the top 10 within the next two years could happen so we got to be tentative in saying this because we don't want to jinx it. The Michael Chiesa era continues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we we have to be tentative about it. But yes, I am pretty comfortable saying that welterweight is on the upswing. What do you think of this fight? I think Monir Lazez uh, is too old to be anything relevant for long. But he's a fun fighter. Like I, I definitely enjoy watching him fight. He kind of crumbles if you just walk up and body kick him six times. But, you know, and that's that that's standard, you know? If you get hit in the body six times as an MMA fighter, you're not too used to that. So we can't hold his, his loss in the UFC against him too much. In this fight, he was just kind of landing nice left hooks to the body. His straights, punches are good. Like, mechanically, he's a very competent fighter. He, he kind of strikes me as a bit of a Tim Means, but more athletic and with less craft which is like a weird comparison because it's that's what makes Tim Means crafty, but just like his shot selection, the way that he approaches putting combinations together and the fact that it's welterweight and he's very long. So 
Yeah, I think Lizez is going to be use, like fun to watch for the next like three or four years, but I don't see any like top-level aspirations in his future. Okay, now on the prelims, we should probably start getting through these a little bit. Yeah, uh, we can just rattle these ones off. Yeah, I mean, Devin Clark knocked out William Knight. Uh, at heavyweight, uh, William Knight's like not, not going to be a thing. It's unfortunate because uh, he's really jacked and he looks funny. Uh, but he's uh, just uh, not getting better at MMA in any meaningful way. Uh, Panny Kanzad versus Lena Landsberg. I liked that fight. I, yeah, okay. It was it was fine. It was mostly just like kind kind of just boring clinch stalling, but but Landsberg dropped Kanzad with an elbow and that was neat. And uh and Drakar Close knocked out a guy that's not great and probably shouldn't be in the UFC at this point. Yeah, probably. because uh, man, Drakar Close he's like it, Something about this, like, it really put that loss to Benil Dariush in context because he seems just, like, kind of designed to get comeback wins against because uh, he has, like, awful finishing instincts and, like, thinks he's more of a knockout puncher than he is. But he will, like, go hard for the finish and gas himself out trying to get it. Uh, but Brandon Jenkins had, like, um, non-existent defense, so it didn't matter, and he just, like, still got knocked out. Uh, Rafa Garcia versus Jesse Ronson. Jesse Ronson, if you guys don't remember... Club and served Nicholas Dalby at welterweight and then called out every six foot three lightweight to fight him at welterweight and talked a bunch of shit about everyone that cuts weight. And then he went down to lightweight and looked really slow and got subbed by Rafa Garcia. Yep. Uh, then Martin Boudet versus Chris Barnett. That fight was weird. God, this was just awful matchmaking. I don't understand how you, you get Huggy Bear Barnett in the UFC you know, he's just instantly a viral meme sensation. He's five foot one and 400 pounds. And he does funny dances and flips and spin kicks. And you give him, you give him a six foot four guy who's built like a fridge, whose entire thing is just grinding people on the cage. And doing like a hard what attrition. Because, you know, uh, also not to discount, Boudet. The reason that it's bad matchmaking isn't because Boudet's bad. It's because like he's not an exciting fighter. And if you're gonna try and pass off hype from Barnett, who just got the cool meme finish against John Volante, you don't want to give it to someone that everyone's gonna hate watching him lose to. Yeah, Martin Boudet's probably gonna win a lot of fights at heavyweight, but it's gonna it's yeah, not gonna and be fun. Boudet like actually could be a top level heavyweight like, at this point. We we haven't seen enough to know otherwise. And he looks pretty competent, and his skill set makes sense in the like the divisional dynamic for how to just win fights because it's it's pretty safe for a heavyweight style, and he didn't get a lot of damage off, and he's he uses his physicality well. So I think Martin Boudet is cool, but also Chris Barnett kind of got fucked over by the matchmaking here. Like they could have given him some action fights that that could store his his popularity even more. They got to get him in a fight with Parker Porter. Yep, or uh, that is the fight to make. Or like Chase Sherman, just someone to to allow him to actually exchange and do stuff. Yeah, um, Jordan Leavitt is uh, not good at MMA, but it's funny to watch. Yeah, I really liked the part of the fight when he threw like twenty five right uh, outside low kicks over and over from Southpaw, and his opponent was just like, "Fuck, what do I do?" He, he's he's gonna stop throwing it eventually, and then he didn't stop throwing it. 
I, I, I think Jordan Levitt watching him is kind of like watching someone that plays the UFC game and like knows a little bit about fighting, but also just knows how to exploit shit. Where he sees, oh, my opponent doesn't know the, the defend low kick button. I'll just fucking low kick him over and over and over and over and over. You know, and he's a, he's a janky grappler, and uh, he does the splits when he wins. Yep. You all love the guy. Yeah. I, I, I hope that he somehow manages to be like a top five lightweight. That would be f- so funny. It really would be. Uh, it's like absolutely inconceivable because this division's insane, and he's like, I mean, he is a he, he is a decent submission threat. His strike was coming along, uh, but but there's there's still just like not that high of a level of a guy you got to get get to at lightweight to just be like, yeah, I'm just like not going to get heel hooks. Uh, Stella Nunes is my new girl, but she's probably going to get cut. Uh. She is tiny and fast and does teeps and has like quick hands and puts cool combinations together. And uh, she looked good in the first like couple minutes of this fight. Uh, looked like like, like she, she was tagging Sam Hughes up real good. Looked like she was like maybe going to get a finish. And then, then she just like uh, got out wrestled by Sam Hughes and lost, which puts her exactly on the tier of tiny striking prospects at 115 below Loma. Look, burn me. Yeah, and we have to recognize that uh, Sam Hughes is just a nightmare for Muay Thai, apparently. We need to get Sam Hughes in the stadiums. Yeah, I guess. You're just going to jab and clinch wrestle. And uh, Haile Alatang uh, knocked Kevin Kroom the fuck out. That was kind of it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. It was a great way to start the card, but it was not representative of what was to come for the rest of the card. <laughs> yeah, I think Alatang will be around for a while. He's cool. If you're going to get on the hype train, get on it now. He's a fun fighter. Definitely. I mean, he's in the most stacked division in the UFC, so that's always hard, but there's plenty of crazy action fights for him. Okay, and then so this Saturday, we've got another fight night card. This one headlined by a women's strawweight bout, uh, Amanda Lemos versus Jessica Andrade. Uh, Jessica Andrade, of course, one of the all-time great women's action fighters. She's basically never been in a boring fight has one of the highest finishing rates in women's MMA. She's basically female John Lineker. Just insane forward forward pressure, violence, not very good defense. And uh, she's just an insane physical hoss for women's MMA. Like, even at Bantamweight, she was able to compete physically, but when she started making 115... In fact, this is the entire uh, event that proves that, that the best base for being a women's strawweight is just to be a former Bantamweight. Because uh, Amanda Lemosh, uh, also a former bantamweight and also just uh, one of the hardest punches uh, at women's strawweight now. Uh, see, this stands to be uh, maybe one of the most violent women's fights you can make right now. Should be good fun. Yeah, uh, strawweight is getting more fun by having Andrade in it. It's, it's, it was upsetting to me that Andrade went to 125 for a while because there was kind of no way that she was ever going to beat Valentina. But at 115, it, it kind of opens up you know, like a pretty like dense elite level at the division. Like Strawweight's cool. So I'm glad we get to see Andrade fight someone that she is probably gonna knock the fuck out, I think. Yeah. Probably. Uh Lemosh is cool. Um but just the fact that she concedes the back foot so much, it just seems like it seems like she's more comfortable as an outfighter, but will often just she would just get tired being constantly pushed back and looking for counters. Uh, 
that's just like bad against Jessica Andrade. There, there is also the chance that uh, Lemos just knocks Jessica Andrade out in like the first round. You know, Wally Zhang did it with, is it like a counter left hook? Was it, was like, it was like a check hook off the back foot. It was a, a straight herder and then a bunch of shots. It, it, was, it was a really nice flurry where Zhang had a chaser across the cage. And even then Andrade didn't go fully out, which is something to note. She just kind of got buzzed really hard. But it all started with a counter off of the back foot, which is uh, Lamosh's thing, and she just has good tactics for picking off short people. You know, good high kicks, good uppercuts and, and snap kicks up the middle. But that kind of seems like that has to be her route to victory because she was looking a little bit ragged in that third round against Angela Hill and was just letting Angela Hill push her back constantly. and. You know, it was up at Bantamweight where she was less of a physical force, but she did get knocked out by Leslie Smith. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad look for for Lemos. Like, I do think she's a good fighter. I think she's going to be around for a while. I, th- I think she's going to hang around at the top of this division for a while. But this uh, seems like a really rough matchup for her because if she can't knock Andrade out early, then I, I'm just not sure she has, like, the discipline and cardio on the back foot to consistently outmaneuver Andrade the way that... Uh, Yuani and Jacek was able to. And also, Andrade has just gotten a lot better since then. She's gotten way better since the uh, Yuani and Jacek fight. And particularly, just her defense has improved significantly since the Weili Zhang fight. It really seems like she had to she had to find out that it was, in fact, possible for her to get knocked out to decide that she was going to learn defense. But it was like literally her fight after that. She was like doing slipping left hooks to the body against Rose Namajunas. So I have got Jessica Andrade by like third round knockout. Yeah, and as you said, with the win condition for Lamos getting narrow and narrow, narrower and narrower as Andrade's like skill set has progressed in the last few years, it just feels like it's it's rough because Lamos also isn't young, you know, like the, they're about the same age, I believe. So it's it just feels like Andrade is is gonna use her massive amount of experience. And knock her out. I'm gonna say fourth round might take her time, but honestly, I might want to say like first round because Andraj might not take her time. She might not. Oh, and if it goes to the ground, uh, Andraj probably like beats her up there. I think. Yeah, probably. Clay Guida is fighting Claudio Poyas in the co-main event. Uh, I mean, Clay Clay Guida is gonna win. Like, this is just like, um, you know, the last time we talked about a Jim Miller fight. We're just like, at this point, the old guy would have had, would, would just have to fall off to a new level that we couldn't even anticipate to lose to just these random dudes. Just too experienced. And Claudio Poyas is like almost purely a grappler. Maybe, maybe he can annoy Clay with some body kicks, but it really seems like. If he can't like get his grappling game going, then everything else just kind of falls apart, and uh, he's not going to out wrestle Clay Guida. Yeah, it feels like a really rough one for Claudio. I'm I'm always going to pick Clay Guida. He's one of my favorite fighters. If you can't see why, then watch like his last seven fights. They're all so funny. Uh, but he's just like a really consistent volume guy. Like he he throws so much. He's constantly moving. 
he's basically like a much higher level version of the Gritzmacher matchup that uh that Claudio had to fight in his last fight, I believe the, it was. The, yeah, and the point is one, but the was looking pretty rough for him before he got a weird come from behind knee bar finish. Yeah, and like he was ahead in two rounds, but then he started getting fucked up and then got a knee bar. So it, it's just it's weird. As, as I talked about this, like, like you just you're not going to knee bar Clay Guida, not happening. Yeah, and and Clay has been submitted before, but it's by like really good submission threats that are established as submission threats. So we just have to yeah, see something from Claudio that we haven't seen before to be able to reasonably pick him. I think. He is younger. Yeah, he's been, he's been submittable, but normally by like you know by like front headlock stuff when he reshoot, reshoots when he gets hurt and stuff. Like I guess it's not completely out of the question that the Poyas could get him with something, but uh, th- this podcast is just too ride or die for Clay Weeder. Yeah, at this point we can't give up on Clay now, you know. He's in his prime. Yeah, he, he's at his best. He's like provably at at his best, career momentum wise and ability to like maintain wins with his win condition wise. Yep, let's go, Clay Guida. Uh, Alexander Romanov is fighting Chase Sherman. Short notice. <clears throat> he was supposed to be fighting Tanner Bozer, and that was a particularly disappointing one to lose to me because I was looking forward to getting to listen to you try to explain how Tanner Bozer was possibly going to win that. Yeah, I, I wish Tanner got to fight on this card. I would have picked him very, very, very con- uh, confidently. But yeah, I mean, Chase Sherman's just going to get yeeted by Alexander Romanov, right? Yeah, Romanov has a good chin, and Chase Sherman just got his ass beat by a guy that we didn't even know did wrestling because we did so little tape for it. Yeah, and Romanov, he's fucking huge. He's like just really aggressive. Uh, about about just constantly spamming takedowns. Like, that's just going to work. Uh, what what funny submission do you think he's going to pull out? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say banana split. What round are you thinking? Uh, like, probably like the first round. Maybe just like ground and pound TKO. But I hope we see something like another forearm choke. That was neat. Uh, Macy Barber is fighting Montana De La Rosa. Yeah, that is certainly interesting. I don't know if I would say that is a good fight that I am excited for, but I would like to see it. This is a weird fight to talk about. Uh, you want to see if Macy Barber can like find a way to lose to Montana De La Rosa? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering, because like, De La Rosa is consistent, at least. Yeah, and if Macy Barber just like tries to be technical and is just on a Holly home shit, and she might just drop decisions. But, you know, even in the fights where she just loses and looks bad earlier, she normally comes on strong late and, like, just actually tries to fuck her opponent up. Um, It just, like, wasn't enough against someone like Alexa Grasso, who, who actually, like, has defense. But, you know, Macy Barber, you know, she, for all of her flaws, she's one of the few girls in this division who has, like, been losing fights and been able to be, oh, I gotta just, like, walk up to this girl and kill her. So I think that'll happen at some point. I'm going to pick Macy Barber by second round TKO. Yeah, Montana tends to get tired as the fight goes on. So, like, 
uh, and also Macy's just a lot faster, so I don't really think the the range is going to be too much of an issue. So yeah, I, I'm gonna say Macy's gonna knock her out in the third, just because I I don't know. I think Montana will be able to keep herself in it with holding on and, and just stalling in the grappling for two rounds before getting finished. But I don't know. Maybe Montana could get something done. Uh, she she's looked better in her recent fights. I remember her hands looked better in her last fight. I think it was. So, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, Macy Bob is not that good. Yeah, that's, that's a big issue. Like, it's not like a, a huge hill to climb for Montana to become able to win the matchup. Uh, Suma Dadri is fighting Manal Cape. Uh, I feel like this has been booked for action because these are two, like, really quick, explosive knockout guys. But it also might just be, like, a terrible staring match because they're both, like, generally counter punches and like neither is uh, uh neither is that insi- that that insistent about pushing a pace although i do think manel cape has over his last few fights done more to adapt to like just the kind of different meta that there is in the ufc of course like uh coming over from ryzen um so i guess i'm just gonna pick the more experienced and consistent knockout guy and say that manel cape by, I don't know, second round knockout. Yeah, and I'm going to pick Sumadarji for the sake of variety. And I'm going to say first round, because, you know, it's it's fun to get on hype trains and pick the guy that's probably going to lose. And I, I I just hope the fight's cool, because it could be, because these are just, like, these are two, like, dynamic and potentially really exciting guys. Ah, uh, I just got a... Uh, bad feeling that nobody's really going to want to lead in this matchup. Then opening the main card, uh, Charles Jordan is fighting Landover Natter, and this should be a fucking banger. Like, both guys just kind of just like wacky dynamic action strikers. Should be lots of crazy jumping kicks and some spinning shit. That should be fun. Uh, Landover Natter's like, uh, he's just always such a hard fighter to call because like um, He's like a sneaky super athlete and he's like he's like really good. Like he's actually like an insanely good wrestler. <laughs> like both offensively and defensively. Um but he's also just kind of weird because when you're just like a kind of like a like weird groovy guy who's all just like vibes and you like you're into like flow state and mind smash and shit like that. Sometimes you just like Sometimes you just start not on the right vibe for the fight. Like Lando, he's just so he's just so inconsistent. Yeah, and and you mentioned how good of a wrestler he is, and I agree. But he, when he's not having a good night, can get out wrestled by Mark Chikese. So he's got like, oh yeah, yeah, like even his his. But like, couldn't be moved by Mike Grundy. Nope. Like even his like deepest skill set probably which is like i don't know i think he's just really good everywhere honestly like he, he's really just he's tricky he i do a lot think of he's moves. like sneakily his best thing is like he's a he's like a wacky scrambler though that's yeah. like his, his 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 secret weapon and he's really dangerous in transitions like he can fuck up something mm-hmm. out of the clinch he's really just dynamic like his shot selection is is has a lot of depth to it because he could see an opening for something and the opening is like for a wheel kick like how many fighters in MMA can really see a wheel kick opening. 
like the the one he got uh oh shit what's the name of the guy John McDessie. Yeah, the one he got John McDessie with was like a counter wheel kick. It, like the way that you get taught to do wheel kicks. It, it was so nice. But he can also do some nice shit where you're just like past the jet. Yeah, the, 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 the sequence where he dropped Tony Ferguson was fucking gorgeous as well. Yeah. And, and he can also, you know, put together body head combinations, finish with a low kick. Like he's, he's just a good fighter in theory, but his mental lapses and inconsistency has made it, him look pretty mid and for all intents and purposes he kind of is because of those issues yeah sometimes he just has like the yancey Madero's fight yeah where he decides oh i'll just switch stances every four seconds for zero reason and and not really throw that much and the, the fight wasn't horrible but in th- you see that matchup and you expect it to be a, an action banger because whenever you think of lando Bonata, you think of all the cool shit he does and then just kind of forget about the bad parts because the cool parts are so cool but there's a reason that he's not ranked uh i mean this is a featherweight so he's definitely like i I think better at featherweight now he's always been kind of a small lightweight and this isn't a matchup that's gonna really yeah he's he's still quick and he's yeah apparently just a more consistent uh like defensive wrestler of this weight so kind of gotta mind his shit because he he's fighting you know, what one of the great violence idiots at Featherweight who, if you're having a bit of a mental lapse and just not quite vibing with the fight, he's gonna fucking kill you. Yeah, Jordan's just too fucking violent and aggressive. Uh he he's so consistent about just pushing his advantages whenever he sees any capitulation. And Lando Bernardo doesn't really show any, but if he gets cracked, he'll like start to move backwards more. He'll he'll rush his shot selection, he'll throw combinations that aren't really like fitting what he needs to be doing like it's not that hard just do a bunch of cool shit and then get tired yeah and especially at featherweight you gotta assume that if he goes at a really high pace like he was known for having in a lot of his lightweight fights then he could get tired even faster with the the like added weight cut although maybe his cardio is fine yeah maybe but i mean but but jordan's a guy who's like never really shown cardio issues and like always comes on really strong in the third round yep so, uh, I think I probably got Jordan by decision, actually. Uh, just because Vanara is pretty difficult to finish and Jordan's not much of a submission threat. But also, we, it's also entirely possible that we just get, um, a wrestler coward Lando and he's just like top game Jordan. Yeah, we might get that. Uh, <laughs> I hope we you don't. just, you never, you never know. Yeah, like, I, I think I'm going to pick Lando by second round finish even though it's it's weird like jordan's really fucking hard to finish but i'm just i'm gonna take the other side of the gamble and say that we're gonna get a really good lando and for no reason and then his next fight he's gonna look kind of shitty against like uh makwan amir khani okay so before we dip are you seeing anything on this uh on these prelims yes jordan wright versus mark andre barrio that's gonna be weird as fuck Everyone should like that. Yeah. We got the return of Tyson Pedro. We got Mike Jackson fighting for some reason. Fuck Felipe Linz versus Marcin Pracnio. Yep. That's a fucking matchup. Pracnio's low on the card. He is. He's, he's on a little streak. Yeah, like, this is a surprisingly, like, this is going to be a good card. Like, I think it's going to be fun. It's not like a highly skilled one. It doesn't really matter that much, but it, it's going to be fun. 
Okay, so I think that's us done for this week. As always, if you enjoyed this content and all the other great stuff that the Fight Site puts out, then consider supporting them on Patreon. A pledge of just $3 gains access to a huge library of really high-quality analytical fight content. And then a pledge of $5 gains access to a Discord server where we have an awesome community. We're constantly having interesting fight discussions with people from a ton of different backgrounds. And um, uh, both Christian and myself are very active in the server, both in in text chats and uh, also in the voice chat where we'll regularly get together with the Discord patrons to uh, watch fights either live on fight nights or just sometimes just get together in the week, watch some watch some old stuff, watch some classics. It's always good fun. You should come hang out. This has been the Forbidden Technique Podcast. You can catch us next week where we'll be recapping anything cool that happens from this card as well as uh, previewing a main event that we've particularly been looking forward to Marlon Chito Vera versus Rob Font. We'll see you then. Peace. Later. And smoke weed every day. Yes. Every day.